everybody, but I don't think I announced it since last Sunday. You went in for your procedure, and they found it was like 50% less or something that they thought or... You're 55% normal. The heart is normal. Hey, right about now, that's about as good as any of us can get, is 55% toward normal. <laughs> we'll take that. Right. Hallelujah. With medication, not a big worry. So praise the Lord. They went in. They were going to do something. They didn't. They said medicine's going to take care of it, and that's it. So hallelujah. Yes. Kathy. Praise the Lord. We'll take that too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, anybody else? We're on a roll. Let's do it. Everybody uh, healthy, happy, Donna? Oh. Okay. But the other, the big thing is your arm, though, too. We're going to pray for that thing is going to go away. Hallelujah. We don't want that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, amen. Ushers, if you'll come, we will continue to worship with the giving of tithes and offerings. <clears throat> and as we do, Pastor Ron, why don't you come up? And Hannah, why don't you come up as well? She doesn't want to do this, but I'm making her. I could have you preach today. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to continue worshiping you, to give you tithes and offerings, to give back to you what you so have abundantly given to us. We know you're going to take this offering, bless it, multiply it, use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. We're going to praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Given. Just a quick announcement. Um, we are having a rummage sale October 7th and 8th. Um, and next week we're going to have the informational meeting right after service in the Sunrise Cafe. And if you want to come to that, we're going to talk about what we take and what we're going to do from now until the rum and sell, how we're going to go through the items and sort through them, clean them, process them, price them, those kind of things. And uh, you want to see my wife, Joanne, to sign up for the informational meeting for next week. Also, too, uh, this is the rum and sale flyer that we're passing out. It tells you what we take and what we don't take. Um, so look at that. Also, in the bottom of the page, is my phone number, uh, so you could, if you have a problem, we're taking drop-offs here at the church on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 9 to 3, and Sundays after service up until about 12.30. If you have something on a Sunday, come see me and I'll help you get it inside or get into the garage. We're accumulating lots of good stuff out there, but we need your stuff. If there's something you have around your house that you no longer have a need for, please consider getting rid of it, and you'll love the space when you do it. Um, but on the bottom is my phone number. If you need help getting items here, give me a call. I can help you. I have a van. We have access to trucks. We can help you come pick it up. So thank
Thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. Come up here. She is so nervous. I don't like this. Every, I don't like this, she said. Everybody loves her, right? Yeah. <laughs> See? And there's not one person that's going to judge you about anything. Okay, do you want to hold this or do you want to just read? Go ahead. Uh, sure. Go ahead. Okay. She said I'm supposed to stand right here. Yeah, you have to. Go ahead. Okay, so, um, hi, I guess. <laughs> um, so I decided to come up with an idea for school for little kids. And it's called Too Smart for School Drive. And what it is, it's a drive that helps, but not only, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Helps and prepares children. Mm-hmm. Not even. No, 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 no. No, no. If I do it, they won't remember it. If you do it, they'll remember <laughs> okay. it. Okay. For the upcoming school right. year. Oh, 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 she's going to go for it. You go for I'm it. Go- Okay, so I decided to come up with a idea that helps and gets kids ready for school, and I am calling it Too Smart for School Drive. And what it does, basically, it's where with the help of us in Old Church and with your donations, it allows us to go shopping for the must-have essentials for schools, Supplies, school supplies, right? And I'm going back to this. One second. Sorry. It is not easy for me. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So we went shopping and we got the basics from notebooks to pens and pencils to the very Supplies that can provide organizations such as binders, tab dividers, highlighters, and etc. In particular, in the end, is where we all gather together and come up with at least our initial plan is to get 20 school supply bundles for 20 kids or to help out and prepare and get ready for the next school year. And my initial launch for this first drive is August 28th. That's when most of us go back to school. And with the help of Pastor David, Mrs. Debbie, and Miss Lisa, this is possible? Yes. Possible? Yes. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay. And what else? Oh, and how to participate or donate. And luckily for you guys, came up with it so I know the answers and okay, so on the left hand side of your bulletin there's like a little section with information on how to donate and where your money will be going and also in the back in the back not yet that'll be next Sunday there'll well, be a flyer a flyer okay so outside on the table there's a sign up sheet oh there is a sign yeah. is there a sign up sheet there yeah oh I'm sorry there is yeah, <laughs> yeah there is flyers coming next time. Right. Okay. See, he's confusing me. <laughs> okay. And with your help, please, um, hopefully after church, hopefully, and I hope that you guys sign up for it in the back. And 
as of donating during offering time, you can simply check the you know the offering envelope and mark the little box that says other on it. And by doing that, it will help us to realize that it's for the drive and not for the regular offering because your money will be, you know, it'll be separated. So it won't get mixed up and it will be used properly and safely. But um, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think, okay. Um, in conclusion, uh, yeah, in conclusion, right? Um, please help us and join us in August to begin a great school year. Thank you. And can I say one more thing? <laughs> She's going to be a preacher. She's got three conclusions. I got Go three. Ahead. Okay, so when I was getting ready for this, uh, me and Ms. Debbie, we were talking about how I usually just go for things, and I don't usually... I just go for it. So basically, I told her that some, like I've learned to just go with the flow and do things. And like Miss Debbie said multiple times to me, that it is a gift from God. And that when you have something you want to do, don't try to hold it back. Yeah, don't hold it back because it can really, um, it can be a good thing Amen. or good, great, whatever word you want to use. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I've had this plan for a minute. Usually, uh, that's about it. Yeah, I had this plan for a minute and I wanted to bring it to Miss Debbie first and then it came to this. So things happen for a reason. Amen. Right? Amen. That was, okay. I think she did really well. And especially that last part, that was very good. If the Lord puts something in your heart to do, just do it. Right? Do it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think she did well. I think she did well. <laughs> yeah, you'll be getting more information. There'll be a flyer next week. And I believe we're going to have a little... Uh, take your Bibles and open to Philippians while we conclude this. There will be a bit of a, uh, we'd like to gather them all together. We were going to do book bags, but kids like usually have their own book bags. And Yes, yes. When the Lord says, I have a plan for you, there is no age limit. There is no age limit. You could be 15 years old and you could be wondering, what am I here for? He has a plan for you. And that was proof. He has a plan for you. And when you get that plan, you, 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 you work it out. You, you put it forward. It, it takes us to put it into action. He has a plan for you. No matter your age, he has a plan for you. We heard, didn't we hear that last Sunday as well from Pastor Denny? Age doesn't matter, right? He has a plan. He has a purpose. So, amen. So, you'll be getting more information on that in the weeks ahead to help out with that. We're going to hope that we're going to be able to bless a bunch of kids. And if you have some kids, grandkids, or, or you have nieces or nephews that uh, you know might need that, that, uh, that, all of those, that equipment, please feel free to let us know. We'll put them on the list and see how many we can get going out to, to the community as well. Um, and I think that was 
probably it. So Philippians, the first chapter. Um, <clears throat> Philippians, the first chapter. There's something that is nagging at the back of my head, but I, I can't remember. So we'll just go right to the word and do that. First, uh, first uh, chapter of Philippians, the, we're down to verse 15. Uh, we spoke last week about uh, this type of upside-down kingdom thinking. Uh, that he gave us, where he said, everything that is bad in my life is turning out for good. I'm bound. I can't get out. I'm under guard, but yet the gospel is free. So no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what the devil intends, it always works out for good. And we are free, free, free in Jesus, because that's the only condition that we can ever have. And so he's going to take this now, and uh, he's going to apply this to preaching as well, and the strange thing that happens with preaching. And we read in verse 15, where he says that some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or whether in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So isn't that interesting? Even in a lie, Christ is still preached. What's that old saying that any um, uh, movie stars usually will say, any publicity is good publicity? (laughs) Even if it's bad, if it's in the Inquirer magazine or whatever, it's still good. And, And that's in essence what Paul is saying. God takes everything no matter what the source it seems and causes it the seed to go forth and be planted so uh, and that's the way it is for all of us as we say this upside down kingdom that we're in um, when we're bound we're free when we're empty we're full when we're lacking we're able when we're sick we're healthy when we're in darkness we have light when we're surrounded when we're alone we're surrounded with with a great cloud of witnesses and when you think about it has it ever been different for the body of Christ? Has it ever been different for God's children? Never. Baron Sarah received a child. Joseph, destined for the throne, but spent time in a pit and in a palace and in a prison and finally to the throne. Moses was just a, a, a really a cast-off, has-been shepherd working for his father-in-law. But there was a burning bush appointed for him. Ruth was just a poor gleaner trapped in death with her mother-in-law. How low can life get that you're all alone, trapped with your mother-in-law? Don't say amen. But she became the grandmother of a king named King David. And what about that king, King David? Just a, a last choice, a runt, out with the sheep named David. But now he's sat on an eternal throne, upside down. Our whole entire walk is upside down. The least will be the greatest. The last will be first. The childlike will, re- will inherit the kingdom. It's the way it's always been. The poor will become rich. It's always been that way. It doesn't make any sense. So uh, in, in the world's, uh, world system. So we're going to look at just a couple points this morning. We're going to look first at the bad will that Paul talks about in 15. Then we're going to look at the good will that he talks about and how it then relates to our gospel that we preach. So he starts off by saying that some preach Christ out of envy and strife. And I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, I started with envy. I didn't do it in, in the exact order of Scripture, but it uh, starts off with envy, and I struggled to understand what he meant by preaching out of envy, but I think that really what it is is a spiritual keeping up with the Joneses. That's all it is. We want to be like that church. I want to preach like that guy. I want to have that pulpit. 
And so we, 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 for some reason, want to be just like them. I remember years and years ago uh, when I was in Bible school, this is back in the late 70s, early 80s, and there was a, a pastor out on the West Coast had a massive super church. His name was Roy Hicks, uh, a very wonderful guy. He wrote a, a wonderful book called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. He was a, a great, great preacher. <clears throat> and uh, all of a sudden, he decided to sit on a stool when he preached. So wouldn't you know, every church across America, there was a stool in the pulpit now. Because we all wanted to be like Roy Hicks, right? <laughs> uh, well, Rick Warren put on casual clothes took off his suit and everything like that, and suddenly thousands of pastors across the country looked like they just rolled out of bed and stumbled into the pulpit, right? <laughs> That's the way we, why, do, why do we always want to be like everybody else? Why, why, why do we always want to not be what he wants us to be? Why do we always strive to get what he does not want us to have? Why do we always want the wrong thing? Did you ever wonder that? We always want the wrong thing. I never want to diet. I never want to exercise. I never want to eat broccoli. We always want the wrong thing. And by the way, <laughs> uh, I need to speak to the manager of Wendy's back there. What is... Oh, it's not... <laughs> what is wrong with the Frosty machine at Wendy's? It's a <laughs> that's, you know, that's probably God speaking to me, right? <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we, we, want the fr- we always want the thing. For, why do we always shun the good thing? Why is our way always the best way? Do you ever know that? You know why? Because we're like our parents, Adam and Eve, aren't we? Our way is always the best way, you know. So this, this envy that Paul's talking about, could be just to add affliction to his change. They were so jealous of Paul that they wanted to get him out of the way so that they could have the spotlight, so that they could have the revelations. I don't know. That seems hard to believe that somebody would want that. Now, maybe, maybe I could be jealous of Paul's brilliant mind. I'm sure I could probably be jealous of his preaching. I'm sure that when he would sit and teach, I would probably sit in the room and go, wow, how did he know that? Or where did he get that? That is pretty incredible. Uh, When you read the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, I mean, you just read it and you go, what a mind. That's unbelievable. Maybe I could be jealous of that. Maybe I could be jealous of his boldness to preach the gospel the way he did, to stand up on Mars Hill and preach to the philosophers, and then to go preach to this group and that group. Maybe I could be jealous. I could say, boy, I I want that. I want that. But, do I also want to be beaten to death with rods at Derby? Do I also want to be stoned with stones and left outside the city for dead? Do I also want to lose my position, my money, my family, my prestige as a Pharisee? Do I want to go from being a well-paid Pharisee to a tent maker? I guess if I want the good stuff, don't I have to take the bad stuff too? <laughs> Something tells me if I'm jealous of his life, I better be jealous of all of his life. And you know what the Lord would probably do? This is probably, I don't know this, this is not in scripture, but I wonder if all those guys that were so jealous of him and preached out of envy that the Lord said, here, I'm going to bless you with his ministry, but I'm also going to bless you with his persecutions. (laughs) And maybe they found themselves sitting in the jail cell right next to him. (laughs) Well, I guess I got what you got, Paul. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. <laughs> so so I, I, that, that envy. But So what they did, they did out of, the word tells us, insincerity and pretense, which is lie, which is also a part of selfish ambition. And, and I could speak frankly to you about this before, and I've said it before. I am absolutely well aware of what Paul calls the foolishness of preaching. Every time I stand up in this pulpit, I feel foolish. I'll be honest with you. I look at this thing and I think, wait a minute, think, think about this. Think about this. I get up on Sunday morning and I prepare myself to come to church. Hopefully I've already prepared the word. <laughs> I get up, I prepare myself to come to church and I am saying to myself, there's going to be a group of people that are going to come out of their homes and the reason they're coming out of their homes is to listen to Do you know how foolish that sounds? Especially when I was 26, 25, 28, and had absolutely no life experience whatsoever, and I'm preaching to people that have served the Lord for twice my lifetime. It's foolishness. It's upside down. But what's happening right now that none of us really even know what's happening right now is the holy spirit is speaking through this donkey right that's all he wants all he wants is a live body up here that's all he wants he's speaking through this body he's saying things to you that i'm not even saying you're hearing things that i'm not saying the Holy Spirit filter is doing things right now in your life and in your heart. You're hearing words. How many times I've had people say to me after church, oh man, I really, what you said about this or that. And I go back to my notes, I say, I did not say it. I didn't say it. They heard the Holy Spirit say something. And that's all that's required. It is foolishness. It's upside down. It doesn't make sense. If you enter this pulpit with selfish ambition, eventually God's going to deal with you. And he's going to deal hard. And it's going to hurt. So we don't do it through selfish ambition because there is no logic to what we are doing. And that leads to the, to the third uh, thing that, that Paul lists here, and that is strife. Strife here is debate and argument. How many know some Christians that all they love to do is argue? Oh, my Lord, just debate and argue about the tiniest little things. And they split churches over. You heard about the joke about the man that was stranded on a desert island all by himself. And, and he was there for like 30 years before he was finally rescued. And he had built, uh, he built this beautiful home uh, out of, out, just out of every, just the stuff on the island, bamboo and everything else. And he built this, uh, they went to rescue him. They said, that's a beautiful home. He says, yeah, let me show you the clinic. I built a clinic over here too. Oh, that's amazing. And he says, here's my boat docks. And, you know, and over here, I don't have a boat, of course, but here's my boat docks. And and then here's the restaurant. I have built my own restaurant. And then he says, and here's the church I built. I built a church because I like to worship God. And oh, well, that is really wonderful. Then they walked across the other side of the island, and there was another church. And he said, uh, they said, well, wait a minute. You have a church there? What's this church for? He says, oh, that's the church that I go to now after the church split. Right? We can't even agree with ourselves. <laughs> strife, strife and argument all the time. Now, I'm going to take a deep dive here with you just for a moment. So just bear with me. Some of you know this that, uh, on some of the Wednesday night services that we've been doing. Uh, and uh, some of you know this, that I, I love the Nicene Creed. 
I love the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed. Some of you may know. Some of you that were raised Catholic or Presbyterian or Lutheran or mainline, you prayed it all the time. I'll pray it. I'm going to say it for you here in a minute. I love it because of the reason that it was written. It was written in 325 A.D. by individuals who were very smart. They were very smart. And, and, and absolutely brilliant, intelligent on how to deal with issues in the church. And the reason it was written was because right after the, the apostles died, well, actually it started before the, the last apostle died, there was a teaching that was sweeping through the church called Gnosticism. And the Greek word for Gnosticism is Gnostic. It means knowledge. And this Gnostics taught that all reality was spiritual and all matter was evil. So if you could touch it, feel it, taste it, sense it, whatever, that was evil. So the supreme being, they say, had no intention of creating material world. He didn't want to do that. He just wanted to keep everything spiritual in the spirit world where it would be pure. But because of certain things that happened, a number of spiritual beings were generated. These were called eons. And these spiritual beings generated throughout history, and each of them had a speck of truth, a speck of the life of the divine in them. Paul calls them endless genealogies. Remember in in the passage he said, avoid endless genealogies. The endless genealogies were those spirit genealogies that people were talking about in the early church. So these were emanations. These were emanations from God. And the only way that the emanations could get from God to us is they had to go in larger and then smaller and smaller and smaller divisions. But each had a spark of reality, a spark of spiritual knowledge. Jesus, they say, was the final emanation. Right. He was the final emanation from God. He had the spark of reality. He had the spark of the divine in him. But he was not God. He was just another emanation, just another eon. And these emanations, with their spark of reality, their job was to take that spark of the divine and instruct all of us lowly swine on how to get to God. That was their purpose. So Jesus came and he used this spark to teach all of us. But since Jesus, and hold on to me, because hold on with me, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Since Jesus could not be made of matter, right, because matter was evil. Since he could not be made of matter, then either one of two things they taught. He was either a ghost, he was spirit, or most of them taught this. That there was a guy named, Joe, a guy named Jesus, the son of Joe, who was a carpenter. And he was out pounding nails one day, and all of a sudden... This divine emanation eon spark descended on him, the Christ spirit. You've heard it in modern times, right? The Christ spirit through people who do meditation and things like that. The Christ spirit descended on poor old Jesus and suddenly all this divine knowledge filled this Jesus. And he climbed down off the roof, put his hammer down and went to Cana Galilee and made wine and he did over here and did that then he started healing people and he started teaching people and that's a, that's how it happened then just before he went to the cross the spirit left him and he was joe the Carp- jesus the carpenter again boy you talk about a cold slap in the face huh <laughs> talk about a nasty trick to play on somebody <laughs> so they said at the cross 
the Christ spirit did not die. Jesus the carpenter died. So the material that was evil was disposed of, but the spirit that was there. So this is what was sweeping through the early church. It was sweeping. Then it turned into Marcionism, and it turned into Pelagianism, and it turned into, into all sorts of isms as people began to prophesy about all these different things. So, so the, the, the early fathers in around 325 AD got together and say, we have to create now. And it, believe me, I am really getting to a point here, honest, follow me. They said, we have got to create something to declare who God really is. We've got to put it in a nutshell, make it concise and to the point, and perfectly depict who God is. So for those of you who don't know what this is, you can go online and look at it. Many of you have heard it many, many times. Many of you could probably recite it with me from your Catholic background. But it's very simply this. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. That's all they said about God. That's it. That's the one line. Then they said... Guess who they talked about the most? Jesus. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten but not made for us in our salvation. He is of the same essence as the Father, and through him, all things were made. For us and our for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. He rose the third day, according to scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord the Lord, the Lord, not a Lord, not small L, but the capital L, Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life of the world to come. Amen. That's the whole thing. That's what they wrote to combat all the false teaching in the early church. Now, I want you to notice something very carefully in this. Very carefully. This is the fundamental gospel. The fundamental gospel. Notice what is not in the creed. The inerrancy of the Bible is not in the creed. The gifts of the Spirit are not there. Healing is not there. The structure of the church is not there. Church governance is not there. Hell is not there. Didn't even teach on hell. Nothing. Here's the point. Never, ever, argue about anything outside of this statement if you're going to argue about something make sure it's only about Jesus and who he is I believe now I've got all your attention you're all looking at me you're all saying oh my lord we're going Catholic (laughs) I believe in divine healing but I will not argue with you about it I'll just get healed and you won't I don't know. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But I won't argue with you about that. I don't care. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't want to, that's fine. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I will not argue. We had a word from the Lord. We had a word from the Lord from a young lady up here that probably didn't even know she was giving a word from the Lord. She was giving a word from the Lord. That's, that's, that's a word from the Lord. 
If you don't believe in that, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with it. If it makes you so mad you want to leave the church, bye. I don't know what to say. That's the way it is. I believe in the infallibility of Scripture. If you don't, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. You can believe that Jesus is coming back before the tribulation. I don't care. You can believe he's coming back in the middle of the tribulation. I don't care. You can believe he's coming back after the tribulation. I don't care. You can believe there's no tribulation. I don't care. You can believe there's a millennium. I don't care. You can believe there's no millennium. I don't care. You can believe in King James only. I don't care. You can believe in hymns. I don't care. You can believe in choruses. I don't care. You can believe that women become pastors. I don't care. You can believe that women can become pastors. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to argue with you. But if you cross the creed that I just read in one point, you've got a fight on your hands. And that fight is going to end up either with you dead or me dead. Probably me dead. Probably me on a cross, just like Jesus. I will defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you say that Jesus is not God of very God, then you've you got to fight. If you want me to say that the Holy Spirit is not God, then I resign my pulpit. If you want me to say anything that crosses that creed, if you, if you want me to say that Jesus is not coming back in a bodily form someday, then we have a fight. That's the gospel right there. And again, men that were way smarter than us penned that. And for something to last 17 centuries, it's got to be pretty good. That's the gospel. You say, okay, well, wait a minute then, wait a minute. Then, then that's, what, that's what that is. You read it to us. That's what we need to contend for. That's the faith we need to fight for. So, okay, so wait a minute. Then what is the gospel? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. He says that, he, that they preach out of goodwill. There are some that preach out of bad will. Now there are some that preach out of goodwill. The latter out of love, he said, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The motivation for the direct declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ for us has to be love and truth. It cannot be just to set people straight. <laughs> we love setting people straight, don't we? It cannot be to tell them how bad they are. They know how bad they are. It cannot be to expose their sin. You know what the word says? Counting not their trespasses against them. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't count your trespasses against you before you were saved? Oh, my Lord. Because I know most of you had mountains of trespasses. Not me, but I know you did. <laughs> my goodness. Not counting. So you say, well, then what is the gospel? Well, we've said it before. It's the good news. That's the gospel. That's all it is. The gospel is not about sin. It's not about rebellion. It's not about death. It's not about the hell. It's not about, not about the grave. It's about the good news that God loves you. That's the good news. They say, wait a minute, isn't there hell and the grave and death? Oh, yeah, there is, but that's not what we proclaim. That's what God proclaims through the Holy Spirit. We just tell people about Jesus. It's real simple. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. And his fame, the word said, spread throughout all of Syria, and great multitudes followed him. That was the Evangelion in the Greek. That's the good tidings. It's 
It's the reward. It's healing. It's blessing. It's provision. It's the cleansing of sin. I'll get to the other side in a minute. But listen, the gospel says very simply that you can give up your silly 90-10 hamburger that you buy at the store and get a filet mignon if you want it. The gospel says you can give up your skim milk and drink milk right from the cow. (laughs) The kind that you have to stir the cream into. You can give up your low-fat ice cream and go get a gallon of ice cream at Handel's. Hallelujah. You can have all the blessings of the Godhead. You can have all the provision you need, all the blessing you need. You can have all the healing and all the deliverance that you need. You can have it all, and you can have heaven after all of that. All you have to do is admit you're wrong. Humans don't do that. All you have to do is admit you're a sinner. That's it. Keep your wallet in your pocket. You No money. Keep your calendar to yourself. You don't have to go anywhere. All you have to do is admit that you're wrong and that you sinned. <laughs> How many know that love and truth can hurt? Can hurt some people really bad. But Here's the good part about this. I see a room full of people that admitted that they were wrong. Isn't that wonderful? You admit it. And now because of that one admission, you have received all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Jesus. And he is now in you and you are in him. All by just simply saying, yeah, Lord, it was me. I did it. I did it. I plucked the fruit off of that tree just like Eve. I I confess my sins to you. And you became complete in him. And you are now seated far above all principalities and powers in heavenly places. And in the ages to come, he's going to show you the incredible blessings that he has prepared for you. That's the good news. Just admit you're wrong. (laughs) Isn't that something? Humans are so stupid. We are so hard-headedly dumb. Wow. So then Paul ends it by saying this, and this is where we'll close. He says, but with all this that has happened, all I can tell you is this. Christ is being preached. Think about that for a moment. It's been roughly 2,000 years. And right from the start, All of his disciples turned on him. One went and hung himself, right? All that was left to follow him was his mother and Mary and maybe brother John at the cross. That was about it. All gone. All fled. You would would look at that and you would say, well, that was a bad plan. I guess it's over. I guess this gospel thing is done. Isn't it amazing that with that beginning, with all of the things that have been attacking the church for 2,000 years, the church is growing and growing and getting stronger and getting stronger around the world. It's the seed that has not stopped blossoming and birthing itself. It is a seed that has now grown into a mustard tree, and millions of people are still gathering to 
be blessed on that mustard tree. They're flying in from all around to be blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ is still being preached. Even though the center of my preaching might be selfishness, somehow the gospel gets preached. Even though it might be pride, it gets preached. Arrogance, it gets preached. Money, it gets preached. Opposition, it gets preached. Wrangling, it gets preached. Somehow the gospel still gets preached. I love, I love the, uh, Marianne's not here, but I'll, I'll tattle on her. I love it when she said one time years ago, before she was saved, she went to a Catherine Coleman service downtown. And she says, I walked in there. I looked at that whole thing, thousands of people there, and this crazy woman with this gown up there flitting around the stage. She said, I got so scared. Within 14 minutes, I was out of there. Now, she says, after all these years, I wish I could see her now. How much I would have loved to have been in a service like that now that she knows a little. Isn't that something? But guess what? Ever since 1976 or 7 when she did pass away, guess what? The gospel has still being, is still being preached. People are still getting saved. We're still growing. We're still here. You just can't get rid of us. We're still here. As a matter of fact, there's an old saying, and I've said this before. Uh, I'm going to be like Hannah now. That was my first closing. So now this second closing... I love, the, I love the imagery and the analogy. I remember uh, one of my professors in Bible college, you've probably heard this over the years as well, that revival fires, Satan hates revival fires. But what he does to put them out is he doesn't have a fire extinguisher powerful enough to extinguish the Holy Spirit. So what he does is he takes a broom and he swats the fire. And every time he swats the fire, the broom catches on fire And then every other place he swats, the fire goes there. And then he swats again, and it goes there. And every place that he touches sets on fire. This universe is being set on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost, and it is not going to stop. His kingdom will never come to an end, ever. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you so much that somehow (laughs) the gospel gets preached. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand what kind of faith you must have to be able to leave the entire gospel to a bunch of folks like us. Somehow, the incredible understanding that you have that the word is still going to go forth. And we're so glad that the word has the power in itself so that when it goes forth, it does not return void. It comes back. It, your word says, of itself It accomplishes what it was sent for. So even in this weak vessel standing up here, incorrectly saying so many things, still your word is not going to come back void. That person right now in that liberal pulpit, if we will, that doesn't believe in the fundamental truths of the gospel, but yet he or she opens the Bible and reads the liturgy for that Sunday, your word goes forth. Hearts are changed somehow. Fires are ignited, and we thank you for that. We we pray right now, Father, that this word, in every pulpit in this world that is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it will not return void. We pray for fruit right now. We pray for open hearts right now, for churches that are yet to be open on this particular day because of time differences. Right now, you'll begin to stir hearts in those places, in India and in Africa, and in Europe, in China, and Asia. 
We pray for South America that right now, as the word has already gone forth perhaps or is preparing to be brought forth, that you'll stir hearts. For those in this country that have heard the word this morning, that they'll leave their churches, our churches, and they'll, they'll, there'll be a seed, something inside of them that will be churning and burning. And they won't know what it is, but it's your Holy Spirit igniting some portion of the word. And that, Father, no matter how it happens, your word will always be preached, age without end. And we thank you for that, Father. And we're going to praise you as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand together. I don't know about you. I, I am so glad for this. This. We would have nothing if we didn't. And I challenge you folks. Absolutely. There is, I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is not one reason. There is not one excuse why you can't be in the word every day. Because I know all of you have cell phones. And all of you can just look on your cell phone at any time. If you don't have the apps, I'll tell you what the apps are. You can read the word 24 hours a day. Standing in the grocery line, you could be reading the word. And they'll read it to you. That's right. I was going to say driving down the road, you could read the word. No, it'll speak to you. (laughs) Put the audio on. Hallelujah. How many are glad for the word? Amen. Turn around. Bless somebody. You are dismissed. Go forth praising him in Jesus' name.